What we do here is go back, 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 back. It does no service to creating value for people where I came from if I won't say where I came from. And so nobody thought any thought this movie was going to work, and it did. One of my greatest struggles as a journalist is that I'm an emotional person and I'm a sensitive person. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Guys, this podcast is built on the premise that hearing stories of struggle from people who most of us just think have it made is a way for the rest of us to realize we're not alone. If you've already subscribed on iTunes and you like what you hear, thank you. And please share it with others. You can take a screenshot of your phone while you're listening, post it on your social media, tag at Matty Dell on Instagram or at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook, email it to friends, shout it from your rooftop, beat people up on the street and force them to listen, whatever. If you can leave an iTunes review, boom, I love it. Either way, I appreciate the support. I'm glad you're listening, even if this is your first one. And I hope you're as inspired by my guests as I am. You know, everyone just thinks that like, overnight successes happen overnight and they don't. Sometimes they take 13 years. Sometimes they take longer. But the level is is consistency and persistence. Guys, I have Don Saladino with me today. I don't really have him. He was in New York. I'm in LA, but we did talk. And not only did we talk, but a little known actress named Blake Lively totally interrupted us, just bombarded our interview. That's what's happening, folks. Hollywood stars will do anything they can to be heard on 10,000 No's. It's crazy, crazy stuff going on over here. Anyway, ask most people about Don, and they'll tell you he's the guy responsible for the superhero physiques of Ryan Reynolds, who you can all see in theaters tonight in Deadpool 2, Hugh Jackman, Liev Schreiber, and so many more. But while that's all cool... We talked about much more than that strategy, mindset, surprisingly doing less than you think you need to do to make massive changes in your results, and a virtual symposium on how to dial in your social media. I was blown away by his insights there. This dude is a beast, both in the gym and out, and a great guy from what I can tell, what Blake Lively says about him. You'll hear that at the end. What my cousin James Whalen, who plays hockey with Don, says, I got to give a huge shout out to you, James, for not only listening to all of these episodes for so many months now, but securing an interview with a superstar like Don Saladino. Here he is, folks. Oh, and Blake Lively, too, for the last five minutes. You owe me, Blake. Don't think I'm going to forget that. One of the things I was wondering is just how do you describe what it is that you do in your own words? How would you describe it? My own words? Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a gym owner in New York City, uh, but I'm also a fitness brand. So, you know, I don't like to really refer to myself as a celebrity trainer, even though I train, a lot, you know, I train a lot of them. But um, I think what I do is, you know, I'm, I'm in partnerships with several brands and, you know, add value to those brands. And um, I'm, you know, I'll always be at heart a coach. I mean, it's where my true passion lies, but I just, I do so much beyond that now with the business side of it. And, um, you know, I mean, what I don't do is I like, if someone wants to hire me to come in for a session, I'm like, I don't do that. Like I, I do projects when, um, someone needs to get ready for a movie or a specific project. Like if I have time, I'll come in and do that. And I can handle everything from communicating with, you know, my medical team to, you know, uh, turn an MRI over in under 12, pretty much 12 hours. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's about surrounding myself with great people, but 
yeah, I'm a fitness, I'm pretty much a fitness professional, but it's, it, it is unusual to describe what I do in, in several words. Like if someone is a personal trainer, yeah, it, it's kind of where well, I that, started. Yeah, you know? That's kind of what I was getting at was that, you know, some people have this stereotypical uh, image in their head of a personal trainer. And since I was made aware of you and I've been kind of, you know, uh, watching you, following you a little bit in the last few days on, on social media, you are, you really are an entrepreneur and you, I, I'm wondering, you know, kind of, uh, it looks like you were personal training for a year and then you raised money for your place, which is uh, drive 495, which, you know, I've actually been personal training for 20 years. Because, you know, I'm still technically doing it with my, with my celebrity clientele. The difference is, is someone can't just come off the street and hire me. So, right. you know, it, it is not to sound like a snob, but yeah, I'm, I'm a fitness professional. I'm a fitness brand, but yeah, I'm a fitness entrepreneur. The problem with a lot of fitness entrepreneurs nowadays is that they don't have any coaching background. And I probably coached, you know, I mean, at one point I was coaching 40 to 50 hours a week. So, and, I, and that wasn't for a year. That was for 10 plus years. Right. Well, that's what I was wondering was like, you know, the difference between you seems like you obviously know what you're doing because of the the results that you get and the level that you're doing it. And then also just, you know, looking at your website alone and the videos that you put out on YouTube, you look like a superhero yourself. I mean, I think you were, you you know, recently, uh, what was it? Uh, Muscle and Fitness Magazine. You're on the cover. So you walk the walk. It's that, that part's obvious. And what's interesting to me. Um, or what I'm curious about is is just how you have managed to toggle the line between not only being great with the craft of what you do, but it seems like you are also uh, very good at at like you said branding and getting yourself out there, which is amazing. And it seems like people usually have one or the other. Um, yeah, well, I well I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. And it's it's, it's something that. No, I'm not going to say it has been easy, but it just kind of fits in my personality. I mean, training, I mean, I've always had this love for training and I've always had this love for educating myself, um, applying what I'm learning my entire life to not only my clientele, but myself. So I've always had this obsessive behavior towards me being in great shape and me kind of being able to do it all type of thing. Um, but then from the branding standpoint, I think it just really comes, that stuff comes down to personality and the fact that you can go into a room and really, you know, hold the conversation with almost anyone about any fitness topic. And, um, I'm very comfortable with saying if I don't know something, well, I got to get back to you on that. But, uh, you know, it, it really is a problem in the industry today because, you know, you've got great coaches out there that have no, um, charisma or they've got none of that X factor to be able to be in front of a camera or be able to have a conversation in front of 500 people, you know, for over an hour or, you know, or vice versa, or you get a lot of these uh, Instagram sensations who just have a good body and they're taking what they've done for themselves. And they're saying, all right, this is a one size fits all. And this is what you should be doing. And then that to me is more, you know, that's more embarrassing in my profession because it kind of sucks to, have to be compared to someone who's, you know, to be honest with you, has never coached a hundred hours in their life. And, um, but you just got to focus on you and what you're doing and, uh, the rest works itself out. Yeah. W- would you say that that is, you know, you were talking about X factor for you is, is it that kind of melding of knowledge and expertise and then also being able to communicate well and relationships? Yeah. Cause you just seem like, you know, just, from watching you, uh, you know, I, I'm 
talking Instagram story, I feel like I know you. I'm like, okay, this is a this is a good dude here who happens to be excellent at what he does. Uh, would you say that's kind of um, something that's really contributed to your success? Yeah, I, I, I mean. Well, again, I appreciate the good words and I'm not going to, you know, I, I like to think of myself as being, you know, pretty damn good at what I do. Um, you know, I, I, I still have a tough time referring to myself as an expert because I'm still a student. Yeah. And it's, I keep using that line. You know, I still confide in specific mentors that I've had that I have and I, I'm still trying to find information. I just traveled down to Tampa to meet with Ben Pekulski about you know, specific body composition things and just having a conversation with him. It's like, I feel like a kid during Christmas. So, you know, for me, yeah, I I think I'm really good in tying in, you know, the strength and conditioning aspect with that aesthetics training aspect and, you know, melding that with, you know, a brand. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's where I become unique because typically, you know, you look at a five tool player in baseball, it's a guy who can run, catch, you know, throw, you know, play defense, you know, all these got all these, you know, different, you know, characteristics or whatever the five, you know, um, attributes are. But yeah, I kind of consider myself a five tool player in this industry. And I, you know, I consider myself, but, but, but there's never an ego with it. You know, I, I, I know I'm solid at what I do, but I also know how much there is to learn in the industry. And you're, I'm always humbled because I'm surrounding myself with specific people that are so good in that one, you know, specific field like physical therapy or, you know, uh, shoulder rehabilitation. I'm not a therapist, but when I get around these doctors, you're, you just sit there and you say to yourself, wow, I don't know. I don't know anything. <laughs> this is yeah. unbelievable. But, you know, by doing that for 20 years, you start learning a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a humility that keeps, that's what I find anybody I've spoken to for this podcast or that I've, I've known in my field that's at the top uh, they usually have maintained that beginner's mind and and don't take for granted how much more they can still learn. That's I think you know what ends up making them great. Um, you mentioned baseball with the uh, the metaphor there. I know you played at um, Sacred Heart. In college, yeah. where'd you go to high school? You said you came out of a big sports high school. Where'd you go? Yeah, it was a big sports high school. It wasn't a big school though. It was a school called Cold Spring Harbor High School. We just happened to have. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of know. a lot of good athletes out of there. You know, a couple of people went on to play be professional in there. You know, Wally Serbiak went off to the NBA. Uh, Jay Jaw Bear went off to you know be one of the, probably the greater lacrosse players of all time. And he came out of our yeah. high school, and we had a lot of great female athletes. And you know, it was just. It was just kind of at a young age. It's like your parents got you involved. They got heavily into it. It was a very athletic. It was a very athletic school. I played four sports in high school, and you know, baseball was by far my best and was my love and my passion. And went off to do that. And then when you know you kind of figure out at a certain point, you got to make a decision. You know, are you going to chase a dream or are you going to go off and do something else? And that something else happened to be something I think I grew to love even more than baseball, and that was fitness. So how would you? Um how would you encourage or coach people that, you know, had a similar thing to you where they're maybe dreaming of, of playing pro and then they had to reinvent themselves. What, what is it that kind of, did you just see the writing on the wall and say, Hey, this is not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I was a very good player. I mean, I, and do I think I had the ability to, to learn and grow and turn into an even better player? Absolutely. But it wasn't where my heart really wanted to be. And, um, and, and I realized that in college when, 
you know, I was after games and just how important my training became and my nutrition became. And it was like, I, it started taking precedent over everything else. So I think the decision was, you know, for most people, I say, you know what, chase your dream, you know, go after it, you know, just, you got to exhaust it a little bit. I'm, I'm a true believer in that because you'll be having question marks for the rest of your life. Yeah. But with me, I chased, my, you know, I ended up, you know, what I thought was one dream really became another. So I ended up doing it. I ended up, you know, it was funny. I ended up chasing my dream and I, it's so funny. We're having this conversation because it popped into my head today. I remember working at Equinox back in 1999 and I remember being at one of their, you know, uh, their EFT, you know, the Equinox Fitness Training Institute courses, which, you know, has, I'm sure evolved. And I remember being in a room full of people and I remember it being like a pissing contest with everyone trying to, you know, who knew more, who was doing more sessions. And I remember, I remember like a certain feeling that I had at 21 years old being in that room. And it's like, it's so far gone now. There's such a level of confidence I have in my profession and what I do. And it was really tough. I mean, if you were to go back into that same room of people, you know, it, it was probably t a pretty difficult thing to kind of go the way that I went and to kind of create what I've created and, and even with my brick and mortar business, but even now in a digital and with my celebrity clientele and the connections I made. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of it, but that's not, I mean, that was 20 years. That wasn't something that I was just like, oh, I met so-and-so and exploded. Like anytime, <laughs> anytime I had a good connection or I picked up someone good, there was always a setback. There was always a point. It never like catapulted where I was like, Oh my God, we were just at 10 subscribers and now we're at 10,000 subscribers. No, it was like 10 went to 50 that dropped down to 25. And then you're sitting there going, well, why the hell do we have 25 subscribers? And then 25 became 75, which then went back down to 25 and you're sitting there going, <laughs> Oh my God, this isn't easy. And it's just, it's the best example to give, but you know, everyone just thinks that like, overnight successes happen overnight and they don't sometimes they take 13 years sometimes they take longer yeah, um, it's, but yeah. but the level is is consistency and persistence and even with social media nowadays people just don't want to do it i'm giving a talk in toronto on for on saturday morning about it at the nsca and it's just like all right, man, like you guys are doing social media, but I'm telling you probably 90, I don't even know who I'm speaking to. I could be 500 people. It could be 50 people, but I, I, I can almost guarantee you that 95% of the room is doing social media incorrectly because there's just no, there's no like plan. There's no level of consistency. It's just a complete cluster. They're not approaching it the way that you should be approaching your brick and mortar business. Like if you're open a, a store, like what hours are you opening? What hours are you closing? Like there's a schedule set up for the people working the register. Like these are basic principles that you need to operate a brick and mortar. Yet no one takes that for digital. They just think they can throw things up in the air and it's just going to grab, but it's not the case. Dude, that, I am so glad you brought this up because that is one of the things, you know, there are so many things we're not going to get to, you know, probably 75% of the things I want to ask you about. But um, one of the things that's kind of been on my mind while preparing for this interview is is just to talk to you about that because I'm one of those people who I, I feel like I've started to get on, you know, on the train with social media better in the last couple of years, but it's been ingrained. I think I'm a little older than you. It's been ingrained in my head, like, you know, don't boast, don't put a trumpet out and, you know, talk about all the things you've done. And what I've realized now is, you know, if you do that, if you're trying to be quiet in this day and age, nobody knows you exist. And, yeah, and I've watched you and, and you have this great way of, it feels authentic, but Thank it's you. exactly what you said. It feels, it, it's, it's deliberate 
and and it's genuine. So when I watch it, I'm like, ah, you know, is he selling me something? Sure, but that's that's his business. But he also believes in it, and I want to buy in because. You know, so I have a lot to learn in this area and I'm, you know, I'd love yeah, to. Well, most people do it now. I'm happy to help out in any which way. And I'm hoping a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of the listeners are going to gain information out of this. Yeah, mean, if yeah. you're listening right now, but sorry to interrupt. If you're listening right now, you should go, go follow Don, because it's a great, great example of how to do it without feeling like you've sold your soul. That, that's you. how I see it. Yeah. Sorry. Thank go you. on. But listen, I am, am I selling something? Sure. I mean, but if, if you didn't want to buy anything, it's still educational and yeah. people are still going to learn. And that's always been my, my thing. It, it, it's my, my offering is really simple. Like come to my social page. You're going to get something out of it. What are you going to get out of it? You might get some inspiration. You you're going to get a lot of training tips, even if it's just exercises. Like, yeah. Am, am I sitting there trying to talk to the smartest guy in the room right now? No, I'm trying to keep things very user-friendly. I'm trying to get people comfortable and confident with just getting off the couch. And then, you know what? If you're someone who is a coach, you should be able to get some good information from, from me. You know, yeah, you're going to learn a little bit about my personality. You're going to learn a little bit about my nutrition, the way that I eat, some of the brands I'm affiliated with. But if, if you wanted to take it up a notch and say, all right, Don, I'm going to join your, your, your playbook, which is my online training site, then great. That's awesome. That's up to you. But if you didn't want to, then be there and just steal information. And that's why I've never felt bad about it is because I'm not sitting there going, oh, nope, it's, this is going to cost you. You can't have anything that's going to cost you. I'm like, no, man, join the free trial on Playbook and just write down the exercises. Like, go ahead. Like, it's a free trial. And within a week, if you don't want to subscribe, you don't want to subscribe. But I have a feeling that the product's so good and what I have to offer you is so good and it's so unique that the $9.99 a month that I'm asking you to pay for really is, it, 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 you're going to say, wow, I, I, I pay tenfold for this. Like this, that's how much value is in it. So yeah. that's, it's really comes down to, if you're trying to be good at social, you got to establish your pillars and you have to go in there understanding like, what is it I'm posting? Now, if you're a celebrity and people just want to see into your life, then fine. Then you could post whatever the hell you want. But if you're trying to become a brand, if you're starting to try, if you're trying to, to deliver content, no matter what your business is, you have to sit down and you have to map out, you know, anywhere from two to five pillars, I believe, of what it is, the message you're trying to, to, to tell people. And then your, your day-to-day social has to be tapping in on those pillars. Not all five of them. It doesn't have to be, but rotate through or just turn around and say, all right, you know what? I've done five nutrition posts and I haven't, I need, I'm a little light on training. So let me get a training post up there and, you know, and I need a motivational post or I don't like doing a lot of shirtless posts of myself, but I, you know, according to my team, <laughs> they're like, throw them, up, <laughs> throw them up every once in a while. So it was something that I kind of really battled for in the beginning because I, I didn't want to be that guy with yeah. his shirt off all the time. But when I went back and looked at it, I'm like, you know what? I'm not like, if you go look at all my thumbnails, maybe there's a shirtless post up every 10 to 20 posts, which fine. It's not every post of me showing my abs, but it's to show people, listen, I take this seriously. I'm not one of these coaches that's just trying to tell you what to do. I do it myself. And a lot of it was through trial and error. A lot of it was through going and meeting with some of the best coaches in the world on all different fronts. Well, and, it's so uh, funny, man, because you, you just put your finger on something. One of the things I said to you first was, I looked at your stuff and I said, oh, this guy's walking the walk. And yet yeah. when it comes to my own, so I could look at you and objectively know that's what a person has to do. If they're in that field, they've got to show me they're walking the walk. 
Now, when it comes to my own stuff, ego gets involved and you go, ah, well, I don't want to do that. Is that braggadocious? Is it whatever? And I posted something this morning that was, you know, a cool shot of me from an upcoming show. And it's like, it takes everything in me to post it and not feel like I'm, you know, it's like, but, but why, especially for me, I'm, I'm an actor. It's like, what, yeah, what but are you, know, you it's thinking? It's a brand. You're trying, exactly. to, you're trying to start a brand. And I don't think, don't look at it as being a, an egomaniac. I think just, I mean, speaking to you for 15 minutes so far, it's like, you sound like a really good dude. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, but, <laughs> but, but like, but that's part of your pillar, man, pillars. And just, I think just send the message, but be consistent with it. And, you know, you're not going to become a multimillionaire by posting one time a day. Like not unless you're, you know, a big name in Hollywood or a big celebrity athlete, you know, they can afford to do that. But, you know, guys like us, you know, we, there, there needs to be a level of consistency. And yeah, I do believe you need to be posting two to five times a day. I do believe you need to be doing anywhere from five to 10 Instagram stories a day. And I think I do believe that Instagram's where it's at right now. And was that, you know, I spoke to a Mark Bell powerlifter yesterday and he was like, YouTube, 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 because the videos are longer and, and you can give more information. I happen to disagree with that. I think YouTube is important, but I also believe, and I also know through meeting with Facebook and meeting at Instagram headquarters and going through analytics and meeting with my playbook team and, um, and going through more data than probably anyone you're going to speak to in reference to analyzing, you know, the productivity of your social media people, you know, the sweet spot is eight to 20 seconds. And it's like, get that video up, send the message. And unless you're the rock, <laughs> putting yeah. up a minute long video, it's difficult to be successful with. And that's why you start diving into things on, on, on posting with, with videos and dwell time. And you could start looking at analytics of, of how, you know, at what time on your, on your video do people start jumping off the video and noticing, wow, after 20 seconds, you lost 75% of the people watching the video. They just lost interest. When you start seeing that, then you start saying to yourself, well, let me be a little strategic about this and let me start curating the content to give these people what they're looking for, not what I feel is necessary. That's another topic. It's like, it drives me nuts with these coaches. They, they all want to teach what they want to teach, but not necessarily what people are kind of yearning to learn. That's amazing, man. I mean, this is all, these are all concepts that I've heard, I've discussed, but your specificity is really, um, I really, I appreciate it. Uh, one, one thing you kind of said before about whether just getting someone off the couch, you know, someone who's not working out, getting them off the couch is kind of the goal. Then you have your, you know, your celebrity clients that you're training. They are literally the, the, the pinnacle of the pinnacle. They're action heroes and huge movie franchises. What is the, is mindset the number one factor that you focus? I know you sound like a real strategy guy, but are you also big on mindset? Could you kind of explain how you, um, how you take people from where they are, wherever that may be, you know, eating bonbons on the couch or they're already jacked and you got to get them, you know, put on another 20 pounds of muscle. What, what is your kind of you're one, two punch with that. I'm sure there's, you know, it's gotta be mindset first. And it's a, it's a, it's a great point because strategy is important, but that's still part of mindset. Like if I'm working with a Ryan Reynolds, who's incredibly like, just tell me what I have to do and I'm going to do it. He's like that type of guy. That to me is easy. But I think the reality is out there is most people just aren't like that. And training has got to be enjoyable. 
if someone comes in and they absolutely hate the kettlebell, but you're kind of a kettlebell guy, are you going to force feed them that or no? Like, why would you do that? Like, that's why there's so many different tools in the toolbox. That's what people ask me like, Oh, what do you think of the Viper? What do you think of Is barbell better than dumbbell? I'm like, dude, like, it's all good. man. <laughs> it's just like a lot of this is sitting down that first 20 minutes. Like when I sit with someone for the first time, we sit, and I'm like, let's just sit and talk. Like, I don't want to worry about training yet. If you want to get training in, fine. But the session's going to be a little bit longer because we got to sit. I want to take some mental notes. I want to find out who am I working with? What's worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? Well, you know what? Um, I hate squats. I can't do squats. Like, I'm like, well, squats are one of my favorite movements. And I know there's probably 50 ways to do squats differently. You, you do goblet, double bell squat, a box squat, a, you know, a back squat, a front squat, a safety bar squat. I mean, I can go on and on with all these different, like a split squat. So wait a second, is you have this bad interpretation of the squat. It's probably a back squat. You probably hurt, your, hurt yourself doing it. Am I going to start you with back squat? Am I going to be one of these trainers who are like, let's come in and fix your back squat today. Let's, let's figure that out on day one. My attitude's like, why? They already have a negative outlook on the squat. You, they've earned no, they have no confidence in you right, right now. Why don't you enable them to feel successful on day one? Why don't you give them a little bit of what you want while you're giving them a lot of what they want, but enable them to feel, leave their feeling empowered. And if you do that and you gain their trust and you gain that confidence, then yes, you know what? Squats can be, you know, reincorporated down the road. It's the same thing with diet. It's the same. I have someone in who's a, who, who likes to have their drink here and there. Like, unless you've got two or three weeks to get ready for a movie role, that's when it changes. When, when a client comes into me and they're like, I've got three weeks to get ready for a role and, you know, uh, what do I do? I'm like, all right, this is going to be hell. Like, I, I completely understand it. But for the majority of the people, we're like, you know, I got four or five months, six months. Brian Reynolds comes to me, he's got six months for Deadpool. It's, wow, we don't have to reinvent the wheel a little bit. I know a lot's going to take care of itself. Like, all right, man, let's get you training. Let's get you feeling good. Let's make sure your mobility is good. Let's make sure we got yeah, that we're giving you some good soft tissue work. Let's make sure we're managing your stresses. Let's make sure your carbs aren't too low because, you know, I'm a carb guy. We got to keep that up. We need your energy level well. And let's just like, let's start cutting back on the cheats and let's just let things happen. And the next thing you know, it's like, it's like what I did for my muscle and fitness shoot. Well, what did you do? What did, did you change things up? I'm like, no. I continue to train the same. I dialed in my, when I say I dialed in my eating a little bit more is I just eliminated cheats and where I would normally have like a couple drinks every few weeks. Like I eliminated that completely for five weeks. And because I did that between the cheats and that I lost 10 pounds. Yeah. I went into the shoot at 208. My body fat is always low. I didn't have to turn around and take this, you know, this, this, liver die approach. And that's the problem with fitness. It's like the new year's resolution. People dive into this stuff and they just feel like it's all or nothing. And I'm like, wait a second, you might be closer to your goal than you think. And it might not have to mean you're eliminating, you know, all alcohol every week. Like maybe it's just cutting it down to one night, two drinks. Like maybe we don't have to eliminate, you know, every night of desserts, but maybe it's cutting back on two nights and you'll be surprised with a minimalistic approach what you can do with the human body. And by taking a minimalistic approach, you're going to be gaining confidence in the person. You're going to be showing them success. And then they're going to want to take it to the next level. Not where you're like, eat chicken, rice, and broccoli. And then two weeks in, they're like miserable. And they're like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Well, it's a recurring theme I'm hearing from you, whether it's social media or it's training, is consistency and, and micro shifts rather than these drastic overhauls. Sounds like 
it it sounds like you've you've got this mindset of of consistency, also intensity, but it sounds like consistency plays a huge role for you. I just know I know I can change anyone. And that may sound cocky, but like if you're a person who's you know, been struggling to get in shape. I know for a fact I can help you. Like, because like you said, it's the psychological component. It's turning around. Like I, I took Laura Summers, who's, who was 872 pounds three years ago. And we just gave her small doses, small doses of, of fitness, of movement. It took three years, but she just broke. She's down at like 423 pounds now. So she's lost over 450 pounds of body weight. She's kept it off. She's enabling herself to, you know, develop good habits and we're changing her life. Yeah. It's taken three years. People don't want to hear that. Sometimes it, it, the, the best approach is to take a long time. When Blake Lively went public and said, oh my God, yeah, I'm, I, got, I finally got rid of all the baby weight, 61 pounds. It took Don and I 14 weeks. That was the most refreshing thing I think she could have done. Because when you hear these people say, oh, the six-week program, P90X, the, the 90-day, yeah, I mean, you know what? Can it work? Sure. But look at all the people who weren't able to hold on to it. Like I want them to go back in and show the percentage of people who lost the weight but put it back on. And you know what? It's the majority of the people out there. And I know it's the majority of them because how many people out there do you think have struggled to keep the weight off? Like they'll, they'll fight for two weeks to drop 10 pounds, no carbs. They go to Vegas, they have a blowout weekend, they put eight pounds back on and they're just deflated. They're like, I just can't, I killed myself for two weeks because they're taking the wrong approach. Because yeah. people don't, they don't know what they're doing with fitness and nutrition. They're ridding their body of carbohydrates. They're starving their body. They're undernourishing themselves. They're putting themselves into hormone damp, uh, putting themselves into hormone distress. And they're doing all these things that are working against them. They're slowing their metabolism down. Their, their training isn't right. There's just all these, their rest isn't correct. They're not paying attention to digestion. There's a lot of things I'm saying right now that can be overwhelming. But if we incorporate one thing, one easy adjustment once a month, depending on your once a week, once a month. I got to look at the person's personality, but let's say once a month. God, after a year, you're going to have changed 12 things. I didn't even just list 12 things. So right there, you're going to see a big improvement. Yeah. Wow. The simplicity that you approach it with is, um, it's because it, as you're talking about all that, I'm going, wow, that, that could be overwhelming. And yet you're, it sounds like on day one, you're going, no, we're going to focus on your strengths. We're going to start there. We're going to get you confident. We're going to get you moving. And then we start to add in. Absolutely. And- I mean, I had, a, I had a friend of mine recently come up to me and, you know, had a little tire around his waist, and, but was in pretty good shape. And he's like, I want to see my abs. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just go through your eating quick because I know you're training and your training's good. He's like, all right, well, what's, uh, I'm like, what are you doing when you're eating? How many nights a week are you drinking? He's like, three nights. I'm like, okay, uh, are you eating desserts? Yeah, I'm having it like three nights. All right, how about breads? I'm having it like three nights. I'm like, you know, let's, <laughs> let's just, let's just like cut it. Let's just cut that all in half. He's like, that's it? I'm like, yeah, that, that's it. So we're still going to give it to you. But so I kind of broke it down and very simply, I was like, let's just cut everything. Let's just cut all the volume in half. and Let's see what happens. And in two weeks, we started seeing his abs pop. And he was like, Jesus, holy shit. Like, this, is, this isn't hard. And I'm like, yeah, man, it doesn't have to be hard. But you were looking for me to turn around to you to say, eat chicken, rice, and broccoli. Like yeah. every meal, like, like, what do you want to do? Like, it depends on what your goal is. If you're, someone's coming to me and you're like, all right, I'm going to be on the cover of Muscle and Fitness it might be a different approach. If you're someone coming to me being like, I've got to compete on the Olympia stage, it's going to be a different approach. If you're someone's like, I want to increase energy, I want to see my abs, uh, I want to look good naked, 
you know, I want to be strong. Like it's not that hard to achieve that. It really isn't like, you don't have to work out an hour a day. You could break a sweat for 10 minutes a day and achieve that. Um, but I think just people have interpreted the wrong message. So what do you think is the, so nutrition and training, uh, kind of hand in hand, you feel that nutrition is, is one of them, you know, more important than the other. I know you need both, but yeah, I mean, I've always believed that nutrition is so important because, you know, you, you, you hear that phrase, you are what you eat. And, uh, you know, I'm more into hormone function. And I think even when someone's like, when you go out and drink Don, what do you drink? I'm like, well, I don't drink much. So if I drink once every few weeks, I'll drink whatever. Like if I want a margarita, I'll have a margarita. Like I'm not paying attention to sugars. I'm not paying attention to what's gluten-free, what's not gluten-free. I'm doing it so infrequent that it shouldn't matter. I'm more concerned with if I have several drinks, like it's going to affect my sleep. You know, it's going to lower testosterone levels. It's going to do things hormonally. So I think people are just, they're, they're looking at things for the wrong reason. Training exercise is important, but you can develop, you can be a very healthy person by just going outside on your backyard and just kind of playing with your kids and breaking a little sweat for 10, 15 minutes a day. Like that's technically enough for the goal of just being healthy. Now, I do believe that, you know, if you're putting, you know, foods with chemicals in your body and you're eating a lot of, you know, processed foods and a lot of sugars, yeah, what, even if you're a thin person, even if you look like that you're fit, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's, it's if we can get someone healthy, if we can internally get them to be a healthy person, then externally they should be okay. I mean, a lot of bodybuilders, you know, a lot of physique competitors, you see guys take their shirts off and they look ripped. So they're some of the most, sometimes they can be some of the most unhealthy people I've ever met from a, from a movement standpoint and from just a hormonal standpoint. They're just unhealthy people. So I don't necessarily believe that you have to be a gym lover. No, you can hate the gym. We could still get you very healthy and still have you in great shape. Yeah. Now, is there anything, um, you know, whether it's about what you do or if it's about uh, a client's attitude when they come, what, what's the thing that that pisses you off the most? If somebody comes to you and it, it's, uh, or or not even, not even gets you angry, but more um, challenges you or, or bothers you, what, what would that be? That, you know, when it's dealing with a client and then also just the business side of things, what are the, the toughest things for you? The toughest things for me, um, well, fortunately with the clients, I don't really have to deal with that anymore. I mean, I, I think a lot of people come into me now and I'm at a different point in my career where they're, you know, they, they need something with me. They're trying to work with me. So there's yeah. a little bit of that. Like I never really work with anyone I dislike. I mean, well, you, well I guess I'll rephrase it then just so just for, you know, my listeners to hear the things that would be tough for like in the beginning when you yes didn't have the pick of the litter yes what what was, was it like when, yeah, yeah. I was, that's exactly where I where, where I was getting to I think um you know people are coming to you for your professional expertise I think people need to listen a little bit more and I'm sitting there and I'm assessing and I'm listening to them and yet they just want to tell me what they do or what they did as and they just want validation from me it's like when I run into someone at a party and they just start immediately telling me what they're doing and I'm like 
well, why are you telling me? Like I'm in the back of my head, I'm always polite about it, but I'm always kind of like, well, why are you telling me this? Like, do you want, do you want validation? Like I turned to a guy once. I'm like, well, how's that working for you? <laughs> he just kind of looked at me. It sounded like a dick comment, but I was like, well, how's that working for you? Like, are you, are you where you want to be? And he's like, no, I'm like, well, then change your approach. So I, I think in the past it was people coming in and, and not like surrendering themselves and not saying, all right, well, you're the professional and I'm here because I know you're good and maybe I can learn something from you. So I think in the past, I'm, I'm still the same person. I know a lot more now, but what I was doing 18, 19 years ago was still really good. So I think in the past, I'm just kind of questioning and, and, and um, questioning, I don't mind. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I think it was more of just um, trying to be like, oh, this is what I do. This is what I do. And I'm like, well, it's just not good. <laughs> we have yeah. to change it. Yeah. Know? That's why you need to be listening to me. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. Um, now, what about um, outside of work, you know, uh, just family life, friend life? What, what sure. would you say are the qualities that the people around you that are tightest with you? Um, I think you have kids. Uh, you know, what, yeah. what, what is it that they would say about you? What are those qualities that, that you think, um, aside from work, you know, that really make you who you are. I'm sure there are crossovers from work, but I, I would say, like from a from a personal standpoint, I'll, I'll, I'll always step up for people around me, and 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 there's a level of loyalty that I have for my friends and family, and um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely always put them first. I mean, there's no question. I mean, my wife Melissa's she's unreal, and my and my two kids couldn't say enough great things about. I mean, I I think the question should be more directed towards my team at work because they've been incredibly supportive. But even today, like, you know, I had to sit two of them down and I had to apologize to them because I've been a little hard on them and I've been um, kind of leaning on them a little, a little too much and um, nothing was malicious, but it was just me saying, you, you know, just expecting like really high quality out of people and deadlines. But the reality, you know, I was at a, I was at a cancer survivors dinner last night where I saw, you know, a, a bone marrow donors meet, you know, um, you know, meet their, um, uh, you know, the recipients, you know, wow. and, and people who, are, you know, people who've, you know, been battling and struggling with cancer for, you know, five, six, seven years and in and out of radiation and chemotherapy. And when you hear them start talking like, all right, man, you know, their attitudes like shit happens back to the drawing board. You're like, holy crap. Like my problems are nothing. Like this is, this is unbelievable. It's inspiring, but it's also a real reality check. So I think my, I think my biggest problem sometimes is where, you know, I think so many things are coming at you and, you know, I think just, you know, I'm a human being. I think at times it's not that I can't handle it, but at, at times as any human being, like there's just this bubble that builds, it builds, it builds. And suddenly you feel like it's ready to burst and, that your team that's around you, they're normally the ones that take the brunt of it. Not because you want to, you know, more just because you know that they're, they're, they're your support system and you're almost venting on them. But I, I think I got to do a better job in looking at how that affects them. And, um, you know, it's, it's part of what's, you know, learning curve in life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that kind of goes back to what you were saying before people look at you, they look at your career. That's the whole point of this podcast, 10,000 knows, is that people look at someone like yourself and they go, oh man, you know, Don's got it made. It must be so cool to be him. And yet it's like, well, it took a really long time to get there. And then even while you're there, like you're saying right now, it's like, 
you still got problems. I mean, you, you still, know, you people, know, people, you know, they, they never look at it. The one thing I've realized when I'm in this chair, I mean, especially with like, I've had great relationships with 90, 95% of the coaches that I've, I've, I've housed here for the last 13 years. I mean, we've had great relationships, but there's always the occasional few that just believe they can do it better. And I'm like, well, go do it. But it's very, their, their viewpoint on things are very one dimensional. They just see what's going on on the floor. They don't have to sit in your chair. They don't have to take the calls that, you know, that you have to take. They don't have to deal with the vendors or your air conditioning blowing up, which costs you 30 grand one month. And on top of that, the landlord de- delivers a $130,000 tax bill. So everyone says they want to be in that position, but they don't really think about the ups and downs and the things you have to deal with. And honestly, like cry me a river, man. Like I asked for this. It's what I wanted to sign up for. I've been blessed with my business, my family and my team around me. But to think that you're going to be in this position where things don't go wrong, like if you're going to complain about it, get out, man, get out. But every single person that I've seen who've had that attitude of like, I could take it, I could do it better. They, they, a lot of them just end up crumbling. Like this for the first time, there's like a level of stress around them. They just can't handle it or, you know, and and it's just, you know, I, I think people need to do a better job in sitting back and looking at things from different perspectives. And just yeah. saying, you know what, this is, you know, I'm looking at it this way, but, you know, uh, maybe I don't know the entire picture. Yeah. Which I think then kind of comes full circle to that, that superhero physique. Everybody, you know, every Joe Schmo on the street is going like, oh man, well, I want to, you know, I'd love to look like that. You know, look at Ryan Reynolds. He's jacked. Is this and that? It's like, but okay, are you? But they are don't you want willing it, to make the, to do the work and the sacrifice and everything that goes into that for so long. But but they don't want it because if you really wanted something, you're going to go after it like like any like any um, like any thing else. And in, in I'm watching Blake Lively walk up the stairs right now. She's about to come in here and make fun of me. I'm on another. <laughs> you you love. I'm on, I'm on a podcast, but it's not a video tell podcast. Her to, tell her to come in and say hello to 10,000. Uh, what's that? It's a different group. It's a different podcast good, group. Good, this good. guy's not sexist. Yeah, so the he's last a- podcast, we were generalizing women. Really, we don't want to hear anyone mansplain, do we? No, we weren't. So someone referred to women as they, one of the last podcasts I was on, and I was as equally as offended as Blake was. <laughs> what? People should not be generalized. People should not be generalized. Especially if we're trying to be productive and helpful. And you look fantastic. Thank you. She's coming. Are you coming from the Met Ball right now? I mean, this is a different outfit. <laughs> I'm coming down. Are we? Yeah, I'm kind of class at this point. Down yeah, she is. She, I, she, Blake, Blake, I love that you you are dropping in on this interview. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, he loves it. You're dropping. Hold on. I'm just gonna take. I'm just gonna take the the, the headphones. If you need any but, questions about uh, exercise, I'm I'm your gal. Can I just listen in on this or not? Blake yeah. Lively, ladies and gentlemen, is here now. <laughs> it's become Hello. a whole. It's it's become a whole different interview. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're about to we're about to fight train. So um, yes, he he has a three minute cutoff. So the way that I do it is I, I come in. <laughs> I, do you, I, do I, you I, just I come in and off. end all of his totally. <laughs> all of his interviews? Continue the conversation. Yeah. No. No. You continue the conversation. But any question, any any training tips or um, questions you have, either about Don Saladino or women in general, because. Don okay. likes to talk to people who mansplain and generalize women, which thank God you're not. Well, let me let me ask you, Blake. What yes. what is the best quality 
of either the way Don trains you, what's his best quality? If you had to name one, I know there are a bunch, but if you had to just choose one. I think that he really understands the person who he's training and their, their personal needs. So beyond, um, beyond what your fitness goals are, he understands what's important to you. So immediately he knew that food was very important to me. I don't drink. I've never tried a drug, but food is my vice. I'm completely addicted to food. And from day one, I mean, we were training and and he sort of saw that and he was like, what's the best burger in New York city? Or like, so you didn't feel like I'm going to come in here and I'm going to have to give up everything I love in order to achieve my goals. But you felt like, Oh, this person like understands and supports the fact that like, I want to go have a double double and like, and then top it off with a, (laughs) with a piece of pizza afterward. And so you felt like, you know what, I can do this and I can stick with it. And then throughout I've had two pregnancies with him and not with him. <laughs> wow, this like, is this is getting so goodness. juicy. I had no idea that this. The, the, the... I felt like this was the time just to clear the air. Uh, no, but I, you know, I've 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 experienced the, the the weight gain and and weight loss twice, and you know, it's just stressful because your body changes so much, and you're experiencing your body in a way that you've never seen or felt it before, and you don't know what's going to happen and what's going to go back and what's not. And um, he's just very grounding and gives you the confidence of you know what, like it's all going to be okay, and you don't need to go and make huge sacrifices sacrifices and compromises, just like eat what you need to eat and do what you need to do. We're going to work it out. And like it, that's just really great because it makes it sustainable. Anything that's too far the other way where I have to just give up everything I love and dive into something, you know, it's, it's, you, you short circuit on it. You're like, I can't do this for the long haul. So wow. I have a follow-up question. Did he pay you to say all this? Cause this is exactly what he said. Damn it. He's good. He said that. I've got to, Part of what I'm good at is recognizing the individual mm-hmm. and coming in, sitting down and saying, it's not always about giving them the best. It's about earning trust. Mm-hmm. It's about seeing what level that they start at and then just giving them empowerment to where they want to progress. 100%. Not where I'm shoving something down their throat. Like it's and he trains, yeah, he trains everybody differently and it's neat to see everyone has different goals and, and, um, and he just is like very, very supportive and helpful and all of that. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm being serious though. I mean, I'm, I'm making a joke out of it, but it, it's, it's really cool because in the beginning, the top of the interview, I said to him, you know, just from seeing stuff, uh, YouTube and pictures and everything, I'm like, okay, this dude walks the walk. And then even now hearing your explanation, you know, you're, you're actually a client and mm-hmm. you did just say pretty much what he said was, was the thing that sets him apart. So he's not, you know, everybody listening, it, it, this guy is not just spouting this out and and he has it on a wall somewhere he's actually doing these things that he's telling me he's doing she's which is very she's also being very 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 nice and she's been um that's not true the, the, don't do the, don't do the self-deprecating thing no, what i was no, actually no. going to compliment you about just because we're going to go kick some butt downstairs but right. um but what i was going to say is you know a lot of people actually don't know their strengths and it's like kind of nice when people are humble and self-deprecating any of that. But when somebody actually knows what they're good at and knows their strengths, there's also something really great in that. And it's cool to hear that Don knows that that's a strength of his, because if he didn't, then maybe he wouldn't utilize it as well. But, um, but I think that that's, that's super cool. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to take a little pause here. First ever for 10,000 knows you should feel privileged to be a part of this groundbreaking element of the podcast. Um, at this point in the conversation, your boneheaded host decided to make a comment to Miss Lively about where she and her family live. 
For all you inquiring podcasters out there, just a little tip when your guest, along with her husband, has a combined 41 million Instagram followers, they might not want to talk about where they live on your cute little podcast. So for reasons that would be obvious to any semi-intelligent human. So that section has been stricken from the record, as it were. And we're back. But let's tell your home address to everyone, so we, we, we can all we can all go take selfies outside your house. Because I will cut I that. Know where you live. I will cut that out I of the know. interview. Oh yeah. shit! I didn't really think about that, did I? That will get cut out. <laughs> yeah, good call. Um, uh, oh, okay, what an asshole! Nice all right, great talk. <laughs> you're aware, so you're aware. Be aware of your strengths and where. I'm where aware of my weaknesses. Oh my god, that's amazing. Totally. Okay. Um, also, by the way, one thing about Don Saladino is that he's like. He's he like he knows the game. He knows social media. He knows how to like engage and uh, and and really like tap into an audience there. But it's you know you see him because what the press wants to to see him with is all of the the people that he's training that are in the public eye. But what the press doesn't put as much attention on is all the people that he helps who are not in the public eye. So when people are trying to lose you know people who have um, you know issues with um, obesity or um, or or you know whatever anyone's struggling with, um, they'll direct message him and they'll say, Hey, you know, can you help me out? And then he's not getting paid for that. He's not, you know, he's not getting recognition for that. He's not going around talking about it. And he, you know, he just got a woman, a treadmill in Chicago, right? Is that where uh, she lives? Yeah, she lives in Chicago and she's lost how, how much weight she's now? Lost four, over she's lost over 450 pounds. And then like she was doing great. And then she's, she sort of stopped and, and, and had a little bit of a, a lapse. And he was like, you know what? It's fine. We're just going to start all over again. And, and he's just like stuck with her and he does that for so many people that like he doesn't talk about and doesn't get recognition for us. So this man does really walk the walk and he's a good dad and a good husband, but not to my children. (laughs) (laughs) To to just circle back and clarify the statement from earlier. Oh my God, this is hysterical. Uh, Yeah, Uh, no, that's one of the things. Yeah, thank you for for coming on and and sitting down. And um, yeah, that's one of the things I I don't, you know, all the celebrity stuff, it's like, that's cool, whatever. But I'm kind of interested in the the, what's underneath it. So I'm glad, I'm really glad you said that. And he doesn't do that just to self-promote it, which I think is the, the best part, you know, because some people do that for to exploit it. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Thank nice you, Blake. I really you. appreciate it. Yeah. Here, Don says bye. No, no, no. no, 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 no you're not going to say hop on. Hey, Matthew. Thank you for having me on. Hey, man. And, thank you so much for doing it. Where can people find you if they're listening? Uh, and they want to go. Don Saladino is my Instagram, and um, you know, um, really, really appreciate you having me on. And um, you know, let's do it again soon. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate it. All right, brother. Take care. Talk soon. Later. Thanks again for listening to 10,000 Knows. We realize there are tons of great podcasts out there, and we truly appreciate you sitting down with us. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so on the Apple Podcasts app for iTunes or on Spotify. If you like what you heard today, we'd love it if you took a minute to give us a five-star rating and a short review, as well as just telling your friends and family about us. We aim to give you the best free content possible, so if you have suggestions, requests, comments, anything, please email us at info at 10,000nos.com. That's info at 10000nos.com to let us know what would make your listening experience better. See you next week. 